Hello, and welcome back to the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Carney, an outdoor and environmental writer and author of the book, Outdoor Minimalist, Wasteless Hiking, Camping, and Backpacking. The Outdoor Minimalist Podcast has a goal to give listeners actionable ways to waste less hiking, camping, backpacking, and more during every step of their process. Your impact outdoors starts long before you hit the trail and goes beyond leave no trace ethics. You'll learn how to identify sustainable outdoor brands, how to ask hard questions regarding sustainability, and begin to shift and evolve your mindset to integrate minimalism into all of your outdoor pursuits. In episode 82 of the Outdoor Minimalist podcast, we are talking about creating a more adaptive hiking space and other ways to make outdoor recreation more adaptive and accessible for all. Every body, no matter the size, race, gender, class, or their ability, deserves a chance to experience the joys of being outside. But how can we make that happen for adventurers that have physical disabilities and limitations due to their wheelchairs? That's a question that Tish Skolnick and her team decided to answer in the creation of an all-terrain wheelchair. Tish is the CEO and co-founder of GRIT, a mission-driven business that empowers people with physical disabilities to enjoy the outdoors. Their flagship product is the GRIT Freedom Wheelchair, an all-terrain wheelchair that she co-invented along with classmates from MIT. Thank you for joining me on the Outdoor Minimalist podcast today, Tish. I am excited to hear about your journey in like how you created Grit, the whole process that it took you to get to that point. But before we talk about all that, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests, which is how you got involved in outdoor recreation and how it fits into your daily life. I guess I mean, I grew up in the suburbs of New York, and so I was always kind of playing in the backyard. And my mom would take me um, a couple miles down the street, and we would go hiking the Ward Pound Ridge Reservation. And I just remember always feeling so much more at peace being in that quieter space and feeling connected to nature. And then I got a chance to do some really incredible hiking as I grew up, got to climb Mount Kilimanjaro when I lived in Tanzania. Um, my husband's from Alaska, and we've done some really incredible hiking there as well. And now the joy is introducing that to my son, who is two. Um, so he spent some time when he was littler, um, you know, in the back in one of the backpack carriers. And now he's, you know, getting ready to just run ahead of us outside. That's awesome. And where are you guys located now then? Do you live in Alaska? <laughs> I I wish, or maybe I don't wish. I'm not sure. Um, I live in Los Angeles. Um, so I spent about 15 years in Boston and then moved out to LA during the pandemic. So getting to take advantage of this exceptionally beautiful weather and the opportunity to be outside every single day. Yeah, that's awesome. And a move during the pandemic. What a journey. Yes. <laughs> um, so did Grit already exist before you relocated? Um, so it just like followed with you or... How did it all start? How did we get here? So Grit, I actually started with a couple of my classmates from MIT um, after we graduated. So we'd had this idea for an all-terrain wheelchair that would make it easier for people with disabilities to propel themselves on, you know, on long distances of uneven terrain. And we spent a number of years um, prototyping and testing and getting feedback and iterating and eventually actually um, you know, brought it to, to market and started manufacturing. And um, we had an office in Boston up until the beginning of the pandemic. And then as everybody started working remotely, took advantage of the opportunity to, to relocate. 
So I am curious about why you decided to create an all-terrain wheelchair, and it obviously fits like a specific need in the outdoor industry. So can you just talk about why that was important to you to make something that was that allows the outdoors to be more accessible? So I'm not a person with a disability, but through a class that I took in college, I got a chance to spend uh, a lot of time um, primarily in developing countries, um, working with small NGOs that support people with disabilities. So got to spend some time in, in Tanzania and Kenya and Haiti and really understanding um, the challenges of navigating when you know most roads aren't paved and um, you know just kind of getting to work or school can be really challenging. And I'd always been interested in medicine. I volunteered as an EMT when I was in high school, thought I was going to be pre-med. And I sort of found this perfect blend of sort of engineering and an impact through the work that I was doing, uh, designing wheelchairs. And so I started working on this wheelchair design and funny, we got, I think it was a, a little coverage in the Boston Globe and, you know, it was like MIT students working on new all-terrain wheelchair project and just got this outpouring of support um, really from wheelchair users around New England saying, you know, it's admirable what you're doing overseas, but, you know, we want to go hiking and camping and we just want to like be able to roll over cobblestones and, you know, get in our backyards. And so, you know, spending time with some of those individuals, kind of seeing what their life was like and recognizing like how awful limits. So many of these things that I took for granted were, was just so eye-opening. You know, as we started developing the product, we just got really great feedback from people about how it would fit in, you know, kind of the market landscape and how it could really, you know, improve access, but like really like what that improved access meant. It wasn't just like, yeah, I can get out on the trail. It was like, yeah, I'm not sitting on the sidelines anymore while my family is going out and having this experience. So kind of felt like the perfect combination of, of what my skills could offer. I didn't know that your mindset was helping people in other countries and stuff to begin with. Like, I just kind of assumed that it was initially designed for hiking. So mm -hmm. it is kind of interesting to hear that backstory and how it has progressed over time. I am also really curious about some of the differences between all-terrain wheelchairs and traditional wheelchairs, as well as kind of like your general design process. So if you could explain all of that together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite areas to dig in. So, you know, some of the things that that a traditional wheelchair is designed for is like being very maneuverable in a house or, you know, in an office or in a classroom. So, you know, it wants to be, you want it to be lightweight, very easily maneuverable, um, you know, small, compact, things that are don't exactly make it great outdoors. So, you know, you've got this small wheelbase that makes it really tippy. You've got these really small front caster wheels that are super easy to snag on even like a small route or something. You know, they're not designed to be used in like such harsh conditions, you know, where they're being dropped off of curbs and rolling over tree roots and getting covered in mud and, and water and sand. And so, you know, a couple of things that we hit on were just really early on was like how inefficient it is to propel a wheelchair. You actually, you know, you're using these very small upper body muscles and you're just wasting a lot of energy that you're putting into every push stroke. And so we came up with this lever system that's kind of like doing a bench press. So if you imagine these sort of like two poles that come upwards from each wheel, you're pushing those forward kind of a print kind of more at chest level rather than reaching down and grabbing onto these small push rims. We've also got this longer wheelbase, so it makes you much more stable on rough ground. 
it makes it's a compromise. It's a trade-off. It makes it a little bit less maneuverable in small indoor spaces, but a big advantage when you're outdoors and on like very uneven and, and rough ground. And then kind of a holdover from like our early design roots is that we had just heard so many stories about people talking about how difficult it was to repair their chairs you know, waiting months for some proprietary part. And so we saw the opportunity to use bicycle parts. Bikes are ubiquitous. Bike shops are super common. The parts are much more easy to source. And for us as a small company getting off the ground, we didn't have these like crazy high volumes that we would have to hit for some of these machine parts. And so all of the moving parts on the Grip Freedom Chair are standard bicycle parts. So, you know, they're not wheelchair wheels, they're bicycle wheels. You can go and find a replacement, you know, tube or tire at your local bike shop. And that was really important to us. That was part of the feedback we got early on. But design process wise, man, we're big on just like building and testing quickly. So I remember one of our very first prototypes, we were really just trying to dial in the size and, and scale and shape of the lever system. And so like welded the whole platform onto an office chair um, and like rode it around in the snow after some snowy day in Boston. But yeah, big, big on getting feedback. And we still do that today, even when we're designing, you know, little accessories or little improvements, we have some amazing ambassadors and power users who will put it through its paces. Yeah. How does that process work with the testing? Do you guys just test things in-house or do you bring people in that um, have specific disabilities? Yeah. So like early on when we're working on things that are more kind of like, is this going to be able to withstand the right forces or will this actually like work up to a certain weight limit that we wanted to? Those are things that we can test in-house, you know, either using our own bodies or plate weights at times. But it's super important to us that we have like actual real world, you know, customers who are testing things out and giving us their feedback. And often what we find is it's never going to be a one size fits all that works for everybody. And so we've really zeroed in on is kind of building like the Grip Freedom Chair as a platform where we have kind of this base model and then a whole suite of accessories so that people can customize it. You know, even just little things like the levers, we used to wrap them um, using bike handlebar tape. It was cool. It's comfortable. It comes in a whole bunch of different colors, but we were having issues with it constantly unwrapping. And especially in like hotter, like more humid climates, the way people were kind of twerking their hands on the levers, it was causing them to unwrap. And so we found this other solution, this great foam that slides over it. Seems like a simple change. We probably could have just rolled it out, but we didn't. We sent pairs to a, a dozen or so of our customers who had particularly had this challenge and fixed it. So a small example, but it's really important to us, even when we're making some small change that, especially because you know I'm not a person with a disability, it's important that we make sure the product actually works for the people we're designing it you know, with and for. Yeah, that has been a theme with a lot of product designers that I've talked to is they've discussed how important it is to actually design for the people that are going to be using it, which makes logical sense. I am also interested in hearing about the wheelchairs that you have right now. What is kind of the range of usability? Like what types of terrain can they go on? I love hearing what people are using our chairs for. I think, you know, when we first started designing it, I had sort of like the classic outdoor recreation kind of mindset. It was like, yeah, people are going to go like hiking and camping and maybe fishing. But there's a lot of, I guess, sort of these like more family oriented outdoor recreation experiences. So the number of people who are going to like the pumpkin patch or going apple picking, these places that are actually like can be pretty challenging to to navigate, you know, thick grass and, you know, mud would be very challenging in a regular wheelchair. But uh, like those are experiences that we've helped our customers have. 
but it really runs the gamut. We've got some customers who do Spartan races. Um, mm. We've got customers who go to the beach. Um, a few folks who um, did about the last hundred kilometers of the Camino de Santiago, which is really cool. And you know, sometimes people are doing it solo, and sometimes they're getting some assistance. So chairs designed to be easier to propel, but we all need a little boost now and then. And so we've also got the option to have handles in the back for a trail buddy to come in and assist you as well. Yeah. Hearing you talk about the wheelchairs, my grandma would love one of those chairs. She doesn't use a wheelchair all the time. She uses it more now, Um, but she would go like hiking on their property all of the time. And now she has some difficulty doing that because the wheelchair she has is not all terrain. So yeah, I should tell her about this. (laughs) Yeah. We'd love to hook her up. I mean, and I think that's often becoming a more and more common use case we're hearing from people that are reaching out that some do use a wheelchair full time. And, you know, this is the chair that they use when they are doing that more challenging outdoor terrain. But, you know, for folks who just have some difficulty walking, like this could be the difference between them being able to do that activity or not. Yeah, that is just all about accessibility and barrier to entry, which I also want to talk about. And how long you said it's been yeah, it's since 2017? Been the, yeah, it's been on the market since 2015. 2015. Um, yeah, yeah. And I started working on another class project in about 2008, 2009. Okay. So you've been working on this for a long time. That's awesome. So you've been able to talk to a lot of different people with a lot of different, like a range of disabilities, I am guessing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm kind of curious about your observations or experiences with the view of accessibility in outdoor recreation or just getting outside in general. It doesn't have to be specific to hiking, like you were saying. Yeah. I think one thing that's been interesting is that, you know, there is like more and more attention, particularly from the parks to, you know, make these spaces more inclusive. But I've heard a number of stories from our customers of, you know, they'll, they'll go to, you know, they'll finally plan that trip to the national park. And then when they go into the visitor center and they ask for some trail recommendations, they're only being directed to the ADA trail, you know, mm-hmm. the half a mile paved in and out that you don't get to see very much on. And like, they know that they're capable of more and they want to be able to do more, but they're kind of being like put in this bucket. And so, you know, we've been fortunate that we've been working with a handful of um, particularly state parks in like helping them think about their accessibility. And, you know, for some of them, it includes like having the wheelchairs available for people to borrow on site so they can actually take it out and, you know, and, and use one there. And then we've also been, you know, kind of in the early stages of helping them think through like how we could better rate trails or describe trails so that each individual can make their own decision. Like who's to call it easy or hard? What's easy for you might be really hard for me. (laughs) One thing we've been sort of loosely doing through our online community is just having people share their own experiences of like, hey, this is the trail I did. Here's where it was at. This is the description of, is there accessible parking? Is there an accessible bathroom? This is the trail I did. Here's where I needed assistance or here's where I got stuck and couldn't go any further. Maybe seeing if we can kind of crowdsource some of that information. Yeah, I love that. Is that community, is that on your website or how can people access that specifically? Yeah, totally. So we have a Facebook group called Beyond the Pavement um, that anybody can join. It's kind of like the hub for adaptive recreation, possibly um, to be expanded in the near future onto our own platform, something we have we have in the works because we've just seen how often people want to talk about more specific things and there's just not as much space in like a single scrolling group to be able to have those like breakout spaces. Yeah. It 
definitely is easier when the person that is giving you the information about a hiking trail or really anything outdoor related, if they have the same or similar capabilities to you, because someone that maybe doesn't have a physical disability, the way they describe a trail is going to be exponentially different. (laughs) And so the accessibility, if more people are getting outside with your wheelchairs and all this stuff, then it's awesome that you've built not only a tool for people to actually use it, but um, also a community that like supports people continuing on those adventures. So it's Mm -hmm. amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And we've heard like sort of time and time again, that just like kind of the visibility, you know, a number of people come into us and say like, I didn't even know I could do this. I've never seen anybody hiking in a wheelchair or, you know, I never thought I would be able to be able to go camping again. And so I think it is a lot about like amplifying that message and actually like sharing it. So people see it happening. Yeah. More representation because really anyone yes. can go outside, like all bodies yeah. can recreate. So yes. let's show like, what is the normal? Yes. All bodies can recreate. I love that. <laughs> We've talked a lot about hiking and then just like general outdoor things like getting outside. But in terms of accessibility, do you think that hiking has been kind of like a main focus in the outdoor recreation world? Or have there been other sports that have started to make some strides in accessibility for disabilities? Yeah. So, I mean, like the sort of more like classic mainstream sports were definitely the ones that took off first. So like um, racing and there's a whole suite of hand cycles like adaptive equipment for racing, you know, 5Ks, marathons, that sort of thing. And then like the court sports, like basketball, tennis, these like, you know, things that are competed in on a more wide basis, like played in the Paralympics, that sort of level. But I think like outdoor recreation, particularly in the adaptive space is kind of like the great equalizer because it's not competitive. Anybody can do it. Um, You don't have to be on a team and you don't necessarily need access to like the court with the, (laughs) with Mm -hmm. the hoop and the net and, you know, all the other things. I think hiking has been a great gateway because you can kind of do it like almost anywhere, you know, versus some of the things like, you know, fishing and paddling and some of the more water-based sports that definitely require you to be in, you know, a more specific place. And then from our perspective, we kind of see hiking as the gateway too, because it's like the first thing you can do without, you need a chair like ours, but beyond that, you don't need any other equipment. You, know, you can go out for like a, a quick little outing without much else mm-hmm. um, versus some camping you certainly need a lot more gear for. We're like all in on hiking um, as kind of that introduction. I also think it's been a great entry point for us with the park system. Parks want to have more visitors coming. And I think like as they learn more and as customers are able to educate them more about what they need, they'll be able to expand what they offer too. You know, they'll realize that like they need to up their accessible camping options and accessible fishing pier options, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know why I didn't think about that because in order to do a lot of other activities, you usually hike to get to it. So that makes so much sense. (laughs) Totally. Like even um, some folks I was talking to who are into like climbing and kayaking, like they have to get down like the gravelly beach to get to the kayak Mm -hmm. launch or like through the, you know, the brush to get to where the climbing spot is. So it kind of just plugs in neatly to everything. And you already mentioned a couple of resources or really like the community resource with your Facebook group, but do you have any other resources that you'd be able to share for listeners that want to get outside, but might be limited because of accessibility? Yeah, for sure. So on our website, gogrit.us, we've got a ton of resources. Um, We've got some how-to guides um, sort of around like accessible camping, kind of getting started there. We also have, um, we've been working on an ABCs of accessible trails um, for every state 
you know, a free resource they can come and grab on our website or also share feedback for if they know of a great trail that they think should be spotlighted. And then we also, you know, do want to touch on the fact that like adaptive equipment can be prohibitively expensive for some individuals. And that should not be a reason that you can't participate in these activities. So we have a great collection of partners, foundations that we work with that can provide um, grants to individuals who need assistance purchasing equipment like ours. So they can come to our site and get those resources and we can help connect you with the right organization in your area as well. Yeah, I was curious about the price, but also you mentioned when you were talking about some of the state parks that sometimes they would have equipment you could borrow or rent. Is there like a database somewhere that would be like, these parks have equipment that you can try kind of thing? Yeah, coming soon. We're working on exactly that because there are, there's a number of parks and organizations. I think we've just been kind of trying to figure out the best way to do it because so many of them have different logistics of how it works. Some have them just available at the visitor center. Some have drop-in hours on specific days. Some you have to reserve in advance. And so we don't feel like we have enough information from each organization about how they use it to totally do it justice and how we present it. But we'd love to put something like that together. Um, and if anybody is interested in like, hey, is there you know one that I could use nearby me? Um, please just reach out directly and we'll look that up for you in the meantime. Is that mostly with state parks or do you ever work with outfitters that would rent other types of recreation equipment? Yeah. So um, it kind of runs the gamut. There's a handful of in addition to parks, adaptive recreation organizations. So these are like nonprofits that focus specifically on providing adaptive sports. And they've typically started with things like cycling, racing, basketball, tennis, but have been expanding to include more sort of hiking, um, you know, snow sports, things like that. They often run like specific programming. So it's not necessarily that you would go and rent it, but you would like sign up to participate in the adaptive hike, which is also a great way to get into this because you're not just renting a piece of equipment. You're actually getting a whole guided experience and the support from that local organization. We've got some great partners that do work like that. State parks, there's a few outfitters that we're talking to now, I think, and this is maybe a call to some of your listeners, but Mm -hmm. it sort of is being presented like a chicken and egg problem where the outfitter says, well, nobody comes in and asks me for an all-terrain wheelchair or nobody comes in and asks me for an adaptive bike. So I don't need to offer one. And it's like, well, they're not coming in and asking for it because you don't have it. (laughs) Yeah. They probably just read the website and are like, oh, they don't have any adaptive equipment. So I'm not going to ask. Exactly. But if you all start asking for it. (laughs) Yeah, people start asking for it. (laughs) So it can be more accessible to everyone. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to share some of those resources that you mentioned and maybe some of the adaptive organizations um, in the show notes. So if people want to check those out, they can. Um, But with that, how can listeners learn more about your work and grit in general? So we'd love for you to come and check out our website, gogrit.us. Also our Instagram page, um, Grit Freedom Chair. We try to feature our, our customers and the things that they're doing. So we really tell our stories through their eyes and their experiences. And, um, you know, if you see somebody who you connect with or, you know, you're inspired by or you want to learn more about, tell us so we can, you know, continue to feature their great content. But yeah, beyond that, We are sort of in the works of planning some events, some sort of gatherings for our customers to come together, probably centered around some of these parks that are really expanding um, their accessibility to try to shine a spotlight on that. So, you know, if you see something that we're hosting, we really are trying to build this inclusive community. You know, I think when it's like a totally separate thing, it's it's not the same. And Mm so, you know, when we're putting things together, we're we want to be as inclusive as possible. And, you know, that's 
includes all of your listeners. Yeah, I look forward to seeing all of the like changes that you have coming up and just kind of how it starts to integrate more into the industry. So I hope I start to see it, it available in more parks and across different platforms and people just are talking about it more. And like you said, just that there's more visibility around this because the more people know that it is around, the more people I feel like will get outside. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I had, um, one of my customers in Minneapolis had a flat tire and he took his chair into his local REI and apparently like, spent half a day there talking to the staff and like other customers who had questions about it. And, um, you know, who knows, maybe there's some potential there to just try to like share that more widely, you know, if there were resources about like a more mainstream destination like that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming onto the show and sharing um, the story of Grit and also helping make the outdoor industry more accessible for everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you hear, let me know. Leave a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Instagram at outdoor.minimalist.book or subscribe to our weekly newsletter at theoutdoorminimalist.com. For even more updates, educational resources, and to help build an outdoor community with the shared goal to create a better outdoor space as we recreate.